Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. We hope and pray the following message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Anybody glad to be at church on Sunday morning? Amen. Amen. It's my honor to be here and get to uh, talk to you in this first session. Uh, You can be seated. Uh, On the uh, way here, I was fully intending on teaching something a little different this morning. And then on the way here, uh, something that the Lord has been dealing with me over the last few weeks kind of started coming together. And uh, I, uh, I have a way of annoying my wife on flights when things start coming together. I start pounding on the seat and trying to show her stuff and everything. And uh, I know you all know her a little more than you know me, but uh, I'm so glad that we get to be here today. And I give honor to your pastor and to my friend Preston and to everybody. I just uh, heard so many good things about this church from my wife, and it's an honor to be here today. Um, If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Psalms. We're going to start at chapter 139 and verse number 7. The book of Psalms 139 and verse number 7. And uh, this this subject is uh, one that I feel is very relevant for the times that we are living in right now. We're going to talk a little bit about peace here today and understanding what true peace is. Um, I feel like in the day that we're living in that there has been a spirit of fear uh, that has been released over over the world. And in my travels, I have I have seen it begin to leak into the church just a little bit. And I don't believe that's the will of God. I don't believe that God intends for his church to be blanketed in fear, but in faith and in the peace of the Holy Ghost. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit here today. Psalms 139 and verse 7, the Bible says, Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? He said, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me. And I love this part. He's very specific in the hand that has him here. He said, and thy right hand shall hold me. Now, the right hand is very important because throughout Scripture, we know that the right hand represents the power of God. He works in the left hand with sovereignty, but in the right hand in power. And you can get into a lot of different things on that. Uh, But he holds us in the right hand in his power. And so as we begin to look at what peace is, uh, we need to take a, a stop here and talk about spiritual authority. Uh, Because a lot of times when we hear the word spiritual authority, we think that it operates through power. Uh, When we think somebody is operating in spiritual authority or somebody has a lot of spiritual authority, we think that that is demonstrated by the amount of power that they operate in. But I believe that the power of the Holy Ghost is just that. It's just a byproduct of receiving the Holy Ghost. He said, after that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. You shall receive power. 
So what is a mark that somebody is truly operating in spiritual authority? I believe that the mark of true spiritual authority is somebody that has peace and operation in their life. Jesus is a prime example of this. He and his disciples were uh, in a boat in the middle of a storm. The disciples are worried. They're freaking out. They don't know what's going on. They think they're about to die. And where do they find Jesus? He's asleep. He's in peace. Because when you understand true spiritual authority, even a storm can't cause you to fear. Because you're operating in the peace of the Holy Ghost. And where peace is, true spiritual authority is going to be in operation in your life. And so I think we have to change our mindset on what we think spiritual authority looks like. Anybody can lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. But somebody who truly has spiritual authority is somebody that has peace and operation in their life. And I think in the day that we are living in, we are seeing that our peace is being attacked. I see as I travel, I see a lot amongst young people, we are quick to pronounce uh, possessiveness over anxiety and fear, but we're not quick to be possessive over the peace of the Holy Ghost. We say it's my anxiety. We say it's my fear, but we don't say I have peace. And so I think that there needs to be a shift on what we see about the peace of the Holy Ghost. Because God wants us to have things done decently and in order. And I believe that that goes through every avenue and every part of our life. And I think more now than ever, we need the peace of the Holy Ghost. So that's what we're going to look at a little bit more here today. When you begin to look at peace uh, and how it operates in spiritual authority, I was brought to Luke chapter 10. We're going to read a few uh, passages of scripture here, Luke chapter 10 and verse number one, starting there. And we're going to read down to about verse number 12, and then we'll talk a little bit more, and then we'll read a little bit more. After these things, the Lord appointed over 70 also and sent them to and two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. So first of all, these groups of two by two are making way for Jesus. They are going with the message that the king is coming, that Jesus is on his way. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse nor script nor shoes and salute no man by the way. Verse number five. And whosoever's house ye enter first say, peace. Peace be to this house. And if the son of peace be there, that means that they, you, you have an agreement in peace. When you send your peace, somebody responds in peace. They come back saying, there is peace here. Your peace shall rest upon that place. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. And into whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as they are set before you, and watch this, and heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. 
But in whatsoever city ye enter and they receive you not, go your way out into the streets of the same and say, even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us do wipe off against you, notwithstanding be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. He say that the kingdom tried to come unto you, but you rejected it. So we're dusting ourselves of this city and we're moving on. But I say unto you that it is more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. So let's, let's look at this as we see this breaking down from verses 1 all the way through 12. They come into a city. The first thing they say when they come to a house that they're trying to enter into and share the gospel is peace. If peace is accepted, it releases them to be able to commune with one another. And then he goes on to say, and you come into a city, you're going to say the same thing. You're going to send your peace over that city. And if that city accepts your peace, then you know that this is a place that you can do miracle signs and wonders. You will see the release of the spiritual authority to begin to do many great things in that city. But if peace is not first released and accepted, they tie my hands in that city. So we see that peace is the true mark of spiritual authority. This is actually a representation of what kings would do before they came to conquer a city. What they would do is, is they would have forerunners that would run before them and they would say peace or war. And if they chose peace, they were taken peaceably. There was no war. There was no death. They just surrendered and the king conquered that city. If they didn't, they knew that they had to come by war to that place. So if peace was released and accepted, then it allowed the authority of the king to operate within that city. And there did not have to be a release of war within that city. So this allowed for the operation of authority of a king to begin to operate in the city, in every house, and in every life that was represented there. So if we really want the king of kings to reign in our life, and we really want things to happen according to the will of heaven, it is marked, is there peace there? Do you have peace in operation in your life? Because if peace is in operation, you know that spiritual authority is in operation there also. And so there has to be a release of the city. And, and if you start to look, the disciples or, or the 70, they came back to Jesus and they were rejoicing because the devils were subject unto them. And Jesus looks at him and says, I beheld Satan fall as lightning. He said, you're rejoicing over the wrong thing. You need to be more excited about the fact that your name is written in heaven, that you've been saved than you do the fact that devils are subject unto you. What he was saying is you need to hold fast onto the peace of the fact that you are saved in this kingdom more than it is that you have devils subject unto you. And as we continue to look at this, even another mark that peace is a sign of spiritual authority, we look at Romans 16 and 20, and the God of peace shall what? Crush Satan or bruise Satan where? Under your heel. So what puts Satan in his place is when the God of peace is in operation in your life. We start looking at the first place that fear is mentioned, which fear is the opposite of peace because fear enters in anxiety and worry and stress. And if these things are happening, you don't have peace in operation. The first place fear 
is mentioned in the Bible is in the fall in the garden. The Bible says that when Adam heard the Lord walking in the garden and he called unto him, the Bible said that he hid himself because he was afraid. So if fear is in your life and peace is not working, then there is a severing between that area of your life and God there. And I'm going to try to prove this to you over the next just few minutes. I don't have very much to say, but I want to help somebody here today. Because if you allow yourself to release God to work on even things that you can do, then the God of peace will work out things better than you could ever work out yourself. So the very first place we see fear mentioned is when there was a severing between relationship between God and man. So if there's an area of your life that peace is not in operation there, I would say this, that it's probably not submitted to God. Because if it's submitted to God, then God's peace by his law of spiritual authority will begin to work through that area and bring peace and order to what has no peace and order. You look at 1 Peter 5 and 6, he says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Watch this, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. The word care there literally means anxiety and his word for careth there literally means to take interest in you. So what you have anxiety over, if you're willing to submit it and humble yourself to God, he can take interest in what you're worried about. But it first comes through a humbling of that area of your life. And when you're willing to humble yourself in an area, now watch this. This is something that, that the Lord just dealt with me just a mere few weeks ago. I was in Texas preaching a revival and uh, my wife was at home in Florida and we have been just fighting with doctors in some situations and uh, she finally got an, a, an appointment that she had been needing and... Uh, they, they, they go, she goes to the appointment and, you know, they accept our insurance. The insurance that we have is one of the most uh, widely accepted insurance in all of America. And she's at the doctor and they say, well, we do accept this insurance, but we've decided now because we have so many patients, we no longer accept this insurance. Well, this is where she's going to get her answers. This is where everything's supposed to get worked out at. You know, at this point we are eight months married and so I'm on the phone with her and I'm, this is a great point for me to establish my role as the man in her life. I'll, I'll fix this. I'll work this out. I'll show her how bad to the bone I really am. You know, we're eight months in. This is a prime time for me to, you know, beat my hands on my chest and show her I'm the man you've always wanted, baby doll. So I get on the phone and I am ripping every doctor I can get on the phone with me a new one. I wasn't being very Christ-like. I'm sorry, Brother Keller. I was just telling them off, how, how is this happening? This is happening. We got to get answers. We've got to figure this all out. And then I was prompted about this scripture. Cast your care upon him because he careth for you. And here's the thing. I could have worked it out on my own. 
I could have fixed it on my own. I could have got another doctor's appointment on my own. I could have done it. But in the process, I was frustrated, she was frustrated, and I was making every doctor mad at her and I. And so it wasn't that I couldn't do it. It's that I was tying God's hands to do it better. So I sat back in the desk. I was getting ready for service. I leaned back in the desk and I repented of my pride, first of all, because pride is the biggest reason that we don't allow God to work out things that he can work out better than you can in the first place. It's not that you can't do it. It's that God wants to do it better. And so I leaned back in the chair. I started weeping and I asked the Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody in this place needs to hear me. There are things God has been trying to work out on your behalf and through pride, you've been wanting to do it on your own. And if you would submit it to the Lord today, I'm telling you in the next 30 days, it'll work itself out because God is able to show himself powerful and of the God of peace in your life. And I leaned back in the chair, I was crying. I repented of what I was feeling. I repented of what I had done. And I said, God, I put this at your feet. I, I can't do it. I could, but you can do it better. And it was like he said, finally, hot shot, you got it figured out. And I'm telling you within five minutes, this is not an exaggeration. This is not me being evangelistic. Within five minutes, my doctor calls me, our primary and says, hey, I know everything just happened. I put our manager, our office manager on, this, on the case for y'all. She's gonna take care of everything. 20 minutes after that, not only did we have a new appointment with a better doctor, but we had it within 30 days of which this doctor is normally booked out, I believe it's like six months in advance. Within 30 minutes of me putting what I could have done on the altar, I watched the God of peace work through his authority in a way that I've never seen him work. I'm telling you, it was like, bam, 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 done. And I had to get a realization at that moment that just because we can do it doesn't mean that he can't do it better. And there are things that we try to work out on our own that is causing you to be anxious, that is causing you to be fearful, that is causing you to be frustrated. That if you would submit it to the throne of God, he would begin to work on your behalf as the God of peace. The Bible says in Psalms 55 and 22, it really is what I believe that that was being quoted by Peter, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. Do you know what the word sustain there means? It literally means to complete. It doesn't mean that he'll carry you through. It means that he will complete you in that moment. So he will bring completeness to the thing that was not complete before you were willing to cast the burden onto him. This is how the God of peace is trying to work right now. And then watch what he says after that. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. I, I, I love words. 
I have always loved words. I love etymology. I love roots of words. I love learning about how prefixes, suffixes, and roots comprise to make different words, but they all start at a different origin. So I was looking at this, and I, the word move jumped out at me this morning. And that word move literally means to be yoked. Who are you being yoked to? Well, it would appear to me in the context of scripture that when you come into the throne room and you put a burden at his feet, he says, now I can yoke up with you in the situation. He said, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. If you try to bear a weight on your own, the burden is more than you can bear. But when you're willing to yoke up to God Almighty, yes, you can do it. Yes, you probably can figure it out. But I wonder how many things we have worked out through frustration that God in this room today is saying, I want to operate by my peace and by my authority in your life. And so what God is trying to say, I feel like in this session this morning and what I have been feeling is that while fear is trying to be released amongst the world, anxiety, trepidation, all of these things are trying to be released amongst the people of God and we are fretting and we are anxious and we are possessive over all of the negativity of the world. Yet be, we can't be possessive over the fruit of the spirit that are trying to work through us, which one of them is peace. And there has to be a release of peace in our lives because peace is a true sign of spiritual authority. Where there is no peace, God's authority is not at work there and it has been severed somewhere. Bible says in Psalms 37 and 25, he says, I have been young and now I'm old. I believe he's reaching back or forward really to what he wrote in Psalms 55, what I read to you. He said, I've been young and now I'm old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed out begging bread. When I was getting ready to get on the plane yesterday, my, my wife and I both felt that there was fear at work. I didn't realize it, and she didn't realize it, that we were both fighting the same thing until we got to the hotel last night. And I feel like that there has been an element of fear that has been trying to grip some good people in this church. And as a matter of fact, I feel like there has been a great fear trying to grip this city in prayer this morning. Now, I don't really know all of the elements of what the city fights, different things, but I have been taught that when you come into a city and you start feeling things that you don't normally feel, that that's not your emotion, that's the fight that the city is in or that people in the church that you're about to minister is in. And so I can feel that there has been a fear and an anxiety in this city and that there has been folks in this church, in this room right now that are fighting fear and anxiety at a rate you have never fought it before. And I'm telling you in this adult Bible class session, God has sent me to release peace in this room. 
And I'm telling you in just a few moments, we're going to lift our hands. And there are areas of your life that you can work out on your own, but you will be frustrated from A to Z. But if today you will allow the peace of the Holy Ghost to come into that area, I'm telling you what I felt just a few moments ago, you will see it worked out in just a short while. Two or three weeks ago, I forget, I was preaching a Sunday in Palm Bay, our home church, and the Lord has been kind of putting all this together in my spirit, and I said exactly that. I said, if you will humble yourself and cast that care at the feet of the Lord, I said, by next service, you'll come to me with testimonies that God has worked things out. And I'm telling you, I couldn't count the people that came to me between that service and the next service that I was there and told me that God did the work that they put on the altar that Sunday. So I want us today, I want every person in this room, we're going to start it today. And between this Sunday and next Sunday, every day, whatever you're willing to put on the altar today, I want you to wake up tomorrow and I want you to cast it at the feet of the Lord. And I want you to let God work within it throughout this week. And I'm telling you between this Sunday and next Sunday, there will be people here right now that will come to your pastor and you will tell him it worked. I don't know how it worked. I don't know how it worked out. I don't All I know is, as I put it at the feet of the Lord and it's done. So if we can do that, I want every person in this room, I want you to make it an exercise when you wake up in the morning. You wake up and you say, God, I'm putting it at your feet today. And I want you to do it every day between now and Sunday. And I'm telling you, there will be miracle testimonies in this room. There will be people that testify of miracles between this Sunday and next Sunday. And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.